Our minister of music, Adam Waite, said, said that they were doing the, sanct the Sanctus you know, right before the sermon, and it was a little long. He was a little apologetic. Like, twist my arm. My gosh, that was beautiful. Thank you, choir. Would you pray with me? Loving God, fill our hearts and our minds with hope and your grace and your love through your word to us this morning. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So they're doing some road work on South Holly Street, where I live. And the other day, they filled in a, a hole that they had dug out on the northbound lane. But they, on the left side, they piled the asphalt too high, making a kind of mini speed bump. And on the right side of it, they didn't put enough asphalt in, creating a little pothole. So it's dealer's choice every time I drive north. And which is almost every day. So every time, I, I try to remember to say a little prayer that God will smite whoever did such <laughs> careless and sloppy work. And the other day, I got a little carried away with myself. So I'm, I'm in the car, and I'm like, you know, who has the right to, to do this? Who has, how is it that I have no say in something that impacts my daily commute, right? It's not fair. And, and I'm like almost yelling at this point. I'm like, it's just not fair. I mean, how does someone get away with this? What, what kind of world is it that we live in? I mean, who's in charge of all this anyway? <laughs> right? It was only a little later I thought, you know, it's possible that that outburst wasn't entirely about a pothole. It's been a hard year. It's been a hard few years. Amen? Four years of a divisive president capped off by an attempted overtaking of our own nation's capital building, two years of a worldwide pandemic that has turned our lives upside down, along with all the accompanying economic issues and the job worries that that goes with, the racial protests and awakening that began with the summer of George Floyd's killing, a movement that hopefully good things will come from but is still hard and painful, and of course, the mounting evidence that impending environmental disaster is going to happen if we don't make big changes, and maybe even, probably even, if we do. The last few years have felt like pothole after speed bump after pothole. No, they felt like car crash after car crash after car crash. Right? And now, now that we are finally, maybe, seeing the light at the end of the pandemic tunnel, six million deaths later. A callous, delusional despot on the other side of the world is threatening world war, maybe nuclear war. And collectively, the rest of us are saying, how, how is it that one man can do this? How is it that we have no say in something that so impacts our daily lives? What kind of world is it that we live in where something like this can happen? Who's in charge of all of this? Anyway. We've been working our way through Luke's story of Jesus in the wilderness this Lenten season, and given the state of our world, I am more tempted than ever to believe that it might be true, as our second temptation asserts, that authority over the kingdoms of this world have been given over to the devil. It does seem sometimes as if some maleficent force is actually in charge of all this, doesn't it? As if maybe God has left the building and left us to fend for ourselves. But in the end, 
that is just not my theology. I'm kind of a I'm kind of a Genesis 1 kind of guy. I believe God made this world and I believe that God said it's good. And I believe with the gospel of John that God so loved this world that he sent his son. And I believe Jesus when he said, when I leave, I will leave you an advocate, a, a Holy Spirit that will, quote, help us and be with us forever. I believe it is God, not some dark force that has authority over this world. But that God is not some kind of puppeteer. That God is not playing chess and we are not the pawns. God is not in charge like some cosmic CEO or some general on a battlefield. And we may wish it were so sometimes. We may long for someone to wipe out the dictators and cure the pandemics and fix the potholes. But it doesn't seem to work that way. So instead of thinking of God as in charge of the world, I think it's better if we think of God as in relationship with this world. As the author of 1 John says, God is love. Which does not mean that God is only love. It means that we experience the holy mystery that we call God as love. And that holy love that we can experience can give us strength, real strength, real hope, real faith. And filled with that kind of love, our hearts can then face a world of dictators and pandemics and potholes. So I think the question isn't where is God or what's God going to do? The question is how do we stay connected to God? How do we stay in relationship with that holy love that is in this world? And when so much around us seems hard and wrong, where do we turn? Where do we look when everything around us looks bad? So I have three answers for you. Three directions to cast your eyes when you find yourself yelling in traffic about this world. The first one may be obvious, but look for goodness. Because with so much that's wrong, we can easily lose our perspective and forget how much is actually right and beautiful and good. Last Sunday, I was feeling quite sad, actually, about the state of, our human of humanity, and I sat down in the third or fourth pew, got to be on your side, for Youth Sunday. And it did your pastor's heart good to watch these young people, many of whom I've known since they were babies. And I thought, this is humanity, too. This is humanity, too. This is what most people turn out like, actually. Most people, not dictators. They turn out like this, flawed and messy for sure, but so beautiful and so good-hearted, so earnest. Goodness is all around us. It's, it's, those, it's those mothers in Poland leaving baby strollers at the train stations for the Ukrainian mothers they don't know. 
It's Jakub Katowicz, the Polish veterinarian who's been sneaking into the war zone to rescue cats and dogs. That's how you invade a country. Goodness is a hundred little things that happen every day. And while attuning our eyes to notice those things, it won't stop war, it won't, it won't cure disease or end poverty, but it will feed our souls and replenish our spirits to keep us going a little longer. So doing so is not, a, it's not escapism, it's not naive. If we're going to have the strength to face all that's wrong, we've got to keep filling ourselves up with all that's right. So look for goodness. Second, look in front of you. This one is so simple, it's hard. What I mean is to take time now and then and step out of whatever stories and thoughts about the world that are in your head and actually look at the world that's right in front of you. Narrow your attention to what's happening right here and right now. So it's easier when you're alone, so I'll, I'll ask you to imagine yourself sitting here maybe on a weekday. It's quiet in here, and you're all alone. And after settling in, you just focus on what you're seeing. Just look around. Look at the grain on the pews. Notice the the hymnal with the little dent in the corner, the light coming in from the afternoon, the rhythm of your own breath. And you can almost start to feel yourself connected and a part of the rest of the sanctuary and together you are just breathing, just looking, just present. And maybe that seems silly or a waste of time. After all, there is so much to do and so much that depends upon you. That's true. And all of that will be there when you get up from that quiet few minutes of just presence. But there is something, I promise you, that is subtle, but it is alive in the present moment. It's like waking up from a dream that you can touch And it is life-giving and soul-centering. And it is always right in front of you. It's available to you all the time. Finally, look inside you. So look for goodness, look in front of you, and look inside you. I recommend this one for when things seem especially hard. Because that's when we need to remember that there is a place in each of us that cannot be destroyed or damaged or even touched by this world. It belongs to God. Call it your soul, your true self, your deepest center. Paul says who we really are is, quote, hidden in Christ with God. There is a part of us this world cannot touch. I am convinced, Paul declares, that neither death nor life, angels, rulers, things present nor things to come, powers, height, depth, nor anything in all of creation, there is nothing 
that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And we can start to live, we can come to be convinced of this too. We can look inside in our times of prayer and meditation or just on a morning walk or tending garden in the evening and we can touch this. We can know in our hearts that we are not just our bodies and our life stories. Our bodies and our stories are precious and when they suffer, it's terrible. But there is more. We are more. And as Christians, we especially must live out of that deep truth. We must learn to have faith in it and to nurture it and to embody it, share it with this world. Let it set us free to live even with joy in the hardest of times. So where do we look when everywhere we look looks bad? Look for goodness and let it refresh us. And we'll look in front of us and rest in the peace of the present moment. And we will look within us and know that there is a place in us that can't be touched. Doing so won't fix this world of dictators and pandemics and poverty but it will make the harder times more bearable and the beautiful times more beautiful and the potholes more tolerable.